Hi, everyone, and welcome to season four of the podcast. I'm super excited to be back and to announce that the podcast will now be called the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast to better reflect the subject matter. The first few episodes were recorded before the rebranding, so I still refer to it by its old raw fork name in those. Anyway, I had no idea when I started this podcast that it would evolve to this format, but I did know that I wanted to share people's stories. It has evolved from me reading my blog post out loud to interviewing non-traditional pharmacists, including herbalists. Season 4 will air every Friday, highlighting inspirational pharmacists that chose to fit out of the proverbial box and are working to build a new system of care focusing on natural and preventative medicine. Please enjoy the show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show and thanks for joining me again this week. I love hearing feedback from you, so please don't hesitate to email me at marina at rawfork.com or tag me on social media at rawfork. I'm preparing for my retreat coming up and getting so excited about this new venture. Meanwhile, I'd love to introduce today's guest speaker on the podcast. We had a lot of similar points of interest and approaches to holistic pharmacy, which you'll hear in a minute. Dr. Melissa Balazan specializes in whole health, mind, body, spirit, combining Eastern and Western medicine. As a concierge consultant pharmacist with over 20 years experience, she uses her pharmaceutical training and knowledge, educating on women's health, especially stress management and working to improve anxiety, depression, pain, and chronic health conditions. Dr. Melissa has always had a passion for health and working with clients who want to improve their health. She has worked with numerous physicians to improve and decrease chronic conditions of clients. She's seen as a bridge between Eastern and Western medicine and loves showing how the two can be intertwined. Dr. Melissa walks alongside her clients on their journey and helps them embrace the path so they meet their health and life goals. Hi, welcome back to another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I have with me today, Dr. Melissa Barisan. She is the whole health pharmacist, and I'm so excited for her to tell us exactly what that means and what she does. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. Yes, welcome, welcome. So uh, we met a little while ago, and I know you uh, reside and practice in Colorado. So I'd love to know where you grew up and how you came to step on this pharmacist journey. Absolutely. I, um, I grew up in the Midwest, so I grew up in Southwest Kansas, and my entire, well, from about two to 18 years old, I was there, and so Midwestern values drilled into me, you know, go find a good job and find something you can do. I loved going to the pharmacy as a child. Um, we, we go to the doctor, that was one thing, but we always went to the pharmacy, and Bill was our pharmacist. I love talking to Bill. He was very friendly to me, to my family. Even as a child, I loved the, the interaction he had. And, you know, it was the old pharmacy. So he had a little soda fountain so we could go and get, um, he would always give us a, a cup to go get our, our um, a little uh, Coke or something, you know, when we went in. And I love talking to Bill. And so I thought back of that when I was in high school trying to figure out, okay, well, what do I want to do? And 
I knew that I loved science and I love math and I wanted to go into medicine, but I thought, I don't think I want to be a physician. So I thought back, I was like, oh, I remember Bill. And then somebody else said, well, what about pharmacy? I was like, well, yeah, that sounds perfect. So I ended up going to pharmacy school, went to school in um, Iowa. So I just went a further, a little further north in the Midwest and went to Drake University, loved every minute of it, loved the aspect of it, loved my teachers, my professors there, and fell in love completely with pharmacy and the way that the, all the opportunities available. That was one thing that, that stuck out to me is that by getting my degree in pharmacy, the door was wide open. I mean, I could do a million different things. Yeah, absolutely. I have to agree with you there. And wow, kudos to Bill for being such an inspiration. And I just also want to add, if anybody doesn't know, um, Coke, Coca-Cola was actually invented by a pharmacist. And it originally had the alkaloid cocaine from the coca plants and coca plants is traditionally chewed and doesn't have, you know, as much of an effect because of the other constituents. It's not the pure alkaloid. So just a fun fact out there for anybody listening. (laughs) Yes, I've used that in trivia before. (laughs) Yeah, it's so amazing. I mean, pharmacists do cool things. So um, walk us through your journey, like in school, what were your interests? And then what did you start doing right out of school? Yeah. So in school, my interest was I was getting involved. I was actually became, I wanted to be um, health professional, health systems pharmacist. So back then it was called hospital. um, And then like a year and it was changed to health systems pharmacist. Um, So I really got involved with the, the service aspect and, and being involved with that, I became the president of what we called Dewey Ship back then, which was the Drake University chapter of ASHP. And I took that on for a couple of years, really got involved with community projects. And we did several, um, several clinics for the indigent population. I loved working with them and giving them opportunity to come in and ask questions. And we had some physicians that worked with us. So we were able to actually do the, the whole realm of care, have them come in, get um, uh, assessed and diagnosed by the physician. And we, as pharmacy students were there, we had our mentor with us. We were there to answer questions and then they were able to get some things filled with that needed to be filled. The other part of my pharmacy journey was I had the experience of being able to go through a supplement class. And a supplement class, I mean, like those herbals and natural things. And that doesn't happen very often in the world of pharmacy or medicine. And I fell in love with that. And I had people asking me, well, what about this? You know, is there a natural solution? Is there a supplement solution? And the thing that a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of pharmaceuticals actually come from from the ground first. And so that was key with me, but also knowing that there was that supplementation piece out there. And I've utilized that from early on, being able to intertwine those pieces, the Eastern and the Western, and being able really to use them together. And I, I, I fell in love with that part and knowing that there's good and bad. So some things that there's good interaction, there's bad interaction. Oh. And knowing that you can't just take anything I love when people come and ask me, Hey, what do you think about this supplement? Is it okay to take? And I usually, I'm going to ask a few more questions because I don't want to just give, 
you information that, oh yeah, that's a good supplement, but what if it interacts with your blood pressure medication or your diabetes medication or something else that you're taking? So I really like that picture of being able to assess that. The other piece of the supplements early on in my, my pharmacy career, my mom, um, actually was finally, she had, she had challenges throughout, um, her health history. Finally, early on in pharmacy school, she was actually finally given a diagnosis and it was a new diagnosis with a new disorder they'd never heard of. And what, what I was able to do with knowledge and research is we were actually able to get her to a supplement regimen to help control that particular blood, it's called a blood disorder, that particular disorder and actually get her off of, they had her on some chemotherapy, which was not appropriate. Mm-hmm. It was the best at the time. It wasn't a specific indication though. So we got her to a supplement regimen and that, that sparked an interest, you know, another, another avenue of getting her to that. And she's still on that particular regimen. She's doing great with it. And so knowing that the two can be intertwined has been a piece of it. And so once I graduated, of course, I wanted to go into the health system. So I went into um, a hospital position and was considered um, dispensing clinical pharmacist. So it was a smaller facility. So I had the ability to do both, which was great because it gave me the knowledge to be able to use the knowledge they have in working with the physicians and grounding with the physicians and still have the aspect of being able to dispense and learn those new medications that maybe I hadn't heard of yet, because there's a whole bunch of them. (laughs) And it's always intriguing because something new would come to us. We'd be able to see something and we're the one-stop shop and we would be able to delve in and really, really figure out, okay, we have this patient in the ER, this is what's going on. And they asked for our help. And I loved that because we were able to get involved with the physicians, with the nurses and find out what the best solution was. And throughout, sometimes throughout the the length of my, my career there, there was times where we looked at supplementation. We pulled in references, we pulled in resources. And that's a challenge in an institution setting to be able to get something approved like that. But sometimes that's what the best, the best thing is for the patient. Wow. Wow. Amazing. I mean, there was so much in that story that I want to go back to. Uh, Well, first of all, thank you for sharing about your mom. And I'm so glad that she's doing really well and especially she's doing well with supplements. So um, I'd love to know uh, exactly what class taught you so much about supplements. Was it a nutraceutical class? And then secondly, is there anybody else that helped formulate or did you at that time feel confident enough to do the research and make a recommendation on your own? So number one, I believe it was my, um, one of my therapeutics professors uh, that was able to do, she did the supplement class. She also taught we did a piece of it when we did our non-prescription drug class as well. Mm-hmm. And so it was a combination of those two. And uh, yes, I did feel confident enough to do the research on my own. What I did is I talked to the, um, the hematologist that my mom was going to. And so between bouncing that information off of him, so giving him the information and him agreeing, which was good, <laughs> and um, having that knowledge. Um, so I had the confidence, and yet I kind of gave it to him and kind of wanted his opinion and approval, and he gave the okay. Wow. I mean, that is just 
amazing. Like that's music to my ears because you don't often hear stories like that, that um, somebody's willing to give something unconventional a chance, you know, and it does sound like a pretty serious diagnosis, like something hematology related, uh, something with the blood clotting you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I don't even know if there is a good conventional therapy out there. I, I don't specialize in that. I mean, I obviously know there are blood thinners of all different kinds and the newer ones are safer and things like that. But, uh, you know, I wonder exactly, I know you said it's a rare disorder too. So it's so amazing that you were able to bring this research to the doctor treating her and he, he kind of recognized that there's some value in it and it wouldn't hurt to try. Right. Well, and what he could, what he did is, you know, early on, I think he was probably a little bit more skeptical, of course. However, he was like, he was willing to try. And then he saw her numbers and saw the change that they were making. And he was like, oh yeah, this is working. Wow. So I wonder if that kind of case study impacted the way this particular disease is being treated. Like did this information get more uh, widespread to your knowledge? Well, that's a great question. I don't know. I never, I, I didn't really research it much further after, you know, cause she was taken care of. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't ever really think of that. Um, yeah, I'll have to check into that and see. And especially since, I mean, I imagine that he's probably utilizing it in other patients since he has the regimen. Yeah, I hope so. I hope this information becomes more widespread and helps more people that might not know about it. So I wonder if uh, you know, you can go back and ask for like a publishing a case study of your mom or something like that. And I don't know, just making it more available for people to know about it. Exactly. Yeah, I'll definitely check into that. Yeah, yeah. What a great story. And wow, I'd have to follow up with you later on about what those specific regimen is. I'm really curious. But um, yeah, so cool that a medical professional just saw the research, listened to you, the daughter who's just like, you know, pretty young about to graduate. So it's not like, uh, you know, you had your stats behind you yet. And so that's an amazing story and a healing story. Now, is there anything else that um, you feel like, for, and also in the hospital, also, I forgot to mention that they listened to you also, and you were on the team that was uh, looking at all these new drugs, these newly approved new indications on the market, researching all of that, but also sometimes just turning to supplements instead, which are um, possibly, you know, less toxic or have less side effects, right? Ideally, that's what you want to carry them and getting that approved by the hospital, because the thing is, we want evidence behind our medicine, right? Uh, and then we want insurances to pay for things and things like that. So I love that you were able to do that on your team. And I also hope this model keeps spreading to other hospitals. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it was very, um, it was unique and um, we, we were blessed to be able to do that. And this was also in Iowa? Uh, no, this was in a, in a Colorado town. So you already moved to Colorado. So how many licenses do you hold across states? Um, I actually just have my Colorado license. I, um, I took the, the board out here and decided that that's where I wanted to be. And so I 
I had internship intern licenses, of course, in Iowa and Kansas, but just the, just the one makes it simpler for me. I like it that way. (laughs) I only have one too. Um, but yeah, I'd love to know why you made the move to Colorado. Was it this job opportunity or is there something else that you liked about it? Um, I always loved Colorado. We used to vacation out in Colorado and probably the biggest pull was that, um, my fiance now husband was out here. And so that was, that was a big pull. He, he had a a job out here. And so I, when I graduated, I was looking for something in the area here. Great. Awesome. Glad things worked out like that. Yes. Yeah. So then, uh, was, was there another job after the hospital or can you talk, talk a little bit about the transition period and then what you're doing now? Yeah. So, um, I had a couple of different positions, um, with, within the hospital setting. So I, I was, because we were in that area, we were in a smaller community. I had the ability to, I had ran some ambulatory care clinics, um, which anticoagulation. So we had some Coumadin and, or Warfarin and Lovenox mostly. And then, um, I also ran a cholesterol clinic. And so I did that. And then I, um, I moved up and I moved on. I was the assistant director for a while. And so went through some, some growing there and learned a lot. And, and after got to a point where I had kind of outgrown where I was. And so that's where I really transitioned out into being the whole health pharmacist and being on my own. I decided that I went through, uh, I went through a period of really some stressful things, which stress is, is huge and stress can kill. And so that's, that's my message now is to really look at and help with stress management. And I say whole health pharmacist and that because the mind, body and spirit all have to be aligned together, whether we're looking at, you know, lifestyle medicine, supplementation, Western medicine, pulling all those together. And so I look at that whole picture and incorporate the stress management and the self-care into what I do now. And so I was able to transition out because I felt that I was, I had, I didn't have room to grow anymore. And you always want to grow. You always want to stimulate your brain and be able to get, um, you know, more out of life. And so I wanted to find that way that I could still, I like to say, um, I save lives. And from day one, I've been doing that and I'm still doing that. And being able to have people imagine what their life can be like if they can get down and optimize, get off of medications, get down to the bare minimum of supplementation and really help them prolong not going to a hospital, not getting a, a condition, not being diagnosed with something. That's, that's my key now. That's what I strive for now is to really help them do that. Yeah, I love what you said, you know, the goal is to be healthy on your own and not rely on some of these external things. You know, the goal is not to replace a medication with a supplement. The goal is to, uh, you know, get the least amount of interventions and get the most amount of health for and vitality and well being and just happiness. Exactly. That's, that's one thing that um, is key to me is, is really optimizing. And I'm, I'm glad that you, you said that. I love that you agree with that because <laughs> so many people are just like, oh, well, 
I take four prescription meds and now I take eight supplements. I got off my prescription meds. That's not necessarily the best thing for you either. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's a supplement or a drug, we're still having to break that down and detoxify it through our organs of elimination. So, um, you know, it's, it's always like a risk versus benefit of anything. And you just, for me, I'm learning more and more. It's like, yeah, that whole connection with the body, mind and soul, just like, you know, the World Health Organization has said long ago, that's, that is the trifecta that you're looking for when you're talking about whole health. So, uh, you know, how can we access those other realms of us in order to get us more physical health? Because most of us, you know, notice our physical health first, when something physical starts to happen, it's the most noticeable, but it doesn't mean that there's not stuff beneath the surface that's affecting that on different kinds of levels. So once you address those root causes as functional medicine looks for, and other things that are, you know, in your emotional health and your mental well-being, and the stress is a huge factor, like you said, it, you know, causes a cascade of effects. And just because we don't see it doesn't make it any less relevant to the case. That's so true. That is so true. Our, uh, our body tends to give us symptoms after a while, you know, so we may have been dealing with something mentally or spiritually for a while. And finally our body starts saying, you know what? You got this low back pain. There's something going on because you're not listening. Otherwise we're going to give you some pain. And that's, that's kind of how it happens is, is finally, you know, I've, I've dealt with some, um, several patients that have come and they're in, they're in pain and we go back and they've been in pain for 10, 20 years. And that takes time to, to get to the root cause of it and figure out, okay, well, what started that pain? And it could have been an emotional trauma often, and then it results in that physical pain. And it's going to take some time for that to, to happen. I mean, it, you, it, you just didn't notice it overnight, even the, you know, the back pain, it didn't just happen overnight. Maybe it was a little gradual. You had a little tweak and then all of a sudden, but it's your body saying, Hey, listen to me, please listen to me. That even happens when, you know, it goes to the extreme and, and worst case, you know, you have a heart attack or you have a stroke, something happens, your body's saying, Hey, wake up and pay attention. And we want to help you before that happens so that you can prevent that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's so many things happening beneath that surface. And even if we do look at the machine as like a biological machine, I mean, if you look at the body as a biological machine, there's also just so many factors that we don't see going on, but it's like a cascade. It's a trigger system. It's a negative feedback cycle. It's all these things that are going on. And like, there could be a cherry on top sometimes that throws it really into an acute situation like a stroke or things like that. But, uh, you know, there's all these contributing factors that are usually preventable, or you can do something about them beforehand, until you get to that point of no return. Um, so it's always, you know, an ounce of prevention is greater than a pound of a cure, because if we don't take care of ourselves, then these things can compound and before you know it, you know, throw you really for, you know, out of whack, out of balance. Um, but what you said before about um, your body giving you certain symptoms as a way for you to pay attention. And, and that is exactly the sign that your body's giving you, Hey, if you um, look at this symptom now, you may prevent, you know, a stroke or a heart attack down the line because 
here is something that is wrong. You know, something is not right here. And like, it's not going to give you, you know, nice butterflies and, and like happy feelings. It's like giving you the worst signal possible, like a pain somewhere or a discomfort so that you do notice it and do something about it. Yes. (laughs) Our bodies are very smart. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Our bodies communicating to us all the time, you know, like we strive for, right, feeling happy and having a a happy, joyful day, right? But if we don't take care of ourselves, or if we don't put in any action towards that, how do we expect to get that? Like, we need to work with our body and with our mind and with our spiritual health, so that we can experience all these good things that we're looking forward to. Exactly. So how do you work with patients now? Can you tell me a little bit about uh, the whole concept of what you do and how the appointment looks and what your packages are like? Absolutely. So how I work with my, um, my clients now, and they like to be called clients, not patients. And I had to transition from that um, because we do, we're always, you know, it's like, okay. So uh, what they do that I have a couple of fold, I say, I often say a concierge pharmacist as well. And what I mean by that is I can go through and I can look at what you're taking, your meds, your supplements, your vitamins, over the counter, all of that. And we can do just a brief triage and figure out, are you really taking what you need? Hmm. And because that's, that's a key. A lot of times we've been put on something, supplement, prescription, vitamin, and we just continue taking it and we don't ask questions. And so that's a quick thing that I go through and people are very interested to find out that even if they're completely on a supplement regimen, I'll have gone, did one just the other day and I took her off of two things. I, or I recommended that she take off two things and she went in and stopped. She's like, oh yeah, I've been taking that for five years. And I'm like, well, why, why, why did you start it? And, and so I asked those questions of why are you taking it? Why do you feel you need to take it? And getting to that point, and even if your physician told you to take it, we can still ask the question, is it appropriate now? It may have been appropriate at that time, but is it appropriate now? So my, my biggest thing when you work with me is I do a lot of education. I give you a voice and a choice, letting you know that based upon your, your diagnosis, your condition, your symptoms you're having, we go through and we come up with a goal in that whole health picture. So we look at the mind, we look at the body, we look at the spirit, we look at exercise or movement. I like to say, we look at nutrition. We look at all of those pieces, including your supplements that you're taking, your prescription meds, you're taking your over the counter, your things you take once in a blue moon to figure out, okay, what is best for you and what is best for this new diagnosis? And what is your goal? Is your goal to get off of those prescription meds? then let's put that into our plan. And that plan, of course, doesn't happen overnight. It's going to take some time. It takes a few months. Um, typically, I like to work with people for a minimum of three months, sometimes up to six to a year. I'm committed to you if you're committed to you. And so working with you and I want to walk alongside you on your health journey. And a lot of the time, my phrases that I say is one step at a time. Uh-huh. We do things simply. We take it one step at a time. And that was a phrase from my mom, which that's a, that's a whole nother story. Um, 
but one step at a time in your health journey. And so that you can see that improvement. We'll start, we'll set all your goals. And then we start with the, the thing that's going to make the most difference or the thing that you're going to see the difference in to start with, because that's going to build your confidence and your motivation and help you want to continue. And then you're going to be able to accomplish that, move on to your next goal, have more energy, have more time with your family, whatever it is that we're looking for, you're going to be able to do that. And I wrap it all with that beautiful picture of that stress management. So you learn all kinds of stress management techniques and self-care because self-care is huge. We need to make sure we take care of our bodies. If we don't do that, we don't have it. You know, you, you only get one body. Your health is your most important asset. And so you got to make sure you take care of that. So I help you do that, get you either helping maintain it or getting you to that point where you need to be and help you make healthier decisions so that you can live the life you want now and you can have that ability. I mean, I can't see the future, but I can hope that you won't have that, that episode where you end up um, in the hospital or end up with the diagnosis that you don't want. We can do what, what we can to prevent that if we start with the whole health. Wow. I mean, there's so much wisdom with that approach. And I want to just point out a couple of things. So first of all, with the client versus patient distinction, I think that is super important because, you know, everybody's health is relative to everybody else's. And also there's a spectrum of normal, you know, and this comes into plane with mental health and all, all types of health. You know, if you say that somebody's a patient, you assume that they are sick, you know, they are, they have an illness of some sort. And there's like this negative connotation that there's something wrong with them. Right. And we don't ever want to feel that way. We want to feel like you know, everything is good, right? Well, and you know, we're, we're on our way to becoming even healthier, but uh, we don't want to have this um, term, you know, define something wrong or ill with us. And so I think that's a really beneficial shift for um, the healthcare system in general. And also um, how you said that you walk along their journey. So you're not like forcing to any diagnosis or treatment on them. First of all, you know, you can't as a pharmacist, but uh, second of all, you know, that whole paradigm of like the patient has to listen to the doctor and the doctor is the expert is shifting because we have now patient centered care. And again, that word patient, but uh, you know, they are in control and they, their goals, like you said, is the most important thing, you know, the doctor may want one type of outcome. The patient may want another type of outcome, but the most important thing is what the patient or client is wanting out of their care. Otherwise, you know, it, they're the authority on their own life and their own body and their own health. Like you said, they have their one body and they are in charge. So the rest of us are just here to walk that with them and support them if should they need our support or ask our support. Uh, you know, and we're not here to force anyone to think like us or convince anybody. Just like if, if I have the answers that you're seeking, I will be able to support you, you know, and that's just a gesture. And I think that's awesome. Awesome. Yes, it is. And thank you for picking up on those points. And those are their key points. And it, it is. Even when you go in and see your physician 
and they have a different, a different goal for you. You as the patient or the client, you're going to do what you want. I mean, you may be scared into something for a period of time, but ultimately, you know, you do have a choice and you do have the right to question and find out, okay, what is the best for me? And what, what is my goal? What do I want? And so I I love that our society is slowly, (laughs) slowly getting there. And we're getting to the point where we are looking more at that picture. And I look at our healthcare system as it needs some help. Um, We typically will put a bandaid on something and I'm trying to pull that off and, and get us to the point where we're not just slapping a Band-Aid on. We're not just giving you something else to cover up a symptom uh, like we've done for so many years, whether that's another prescription or another supplement to cover up a side effect of something that you're having. So we want to peel that Band-Aid off and really look at and do that deep dive and figure out, okay, what can we do? And yes, then we're going to have to take that simple step, that little step to get to the next point. Yeah, because a big, huge goal can be overwhelming and some people will just be uh, reluctant to take any action because it just seems impossible to reach that huge goal and, you know, why try and fail kind of thing and just like whatever, like let let whatever come what may. Uh, But the thing is, when you make it into a manageable step by step plan, and have these milestones to get to that is much more achievable. And then you have that accountability from a person that you're working with that is guiding you and supporting you and giving you advice. And, you know, that support piece is, I think, key, because like you said, sometimes you're in a doctor's office and you kind of want to please the doctor by doing what they say. And, um, you know, if, if uh, some intervention, if they ask you how, how it's working for you, you want to say that it worked, but sometimes it just doesn't. And you still kind of want to uh, impress someone else with your results. But the thing is, like, nobody else matters. It's you and your health and your life and your journey. So, you know, you're in, you're in control. And what you said about choice, you know, the more choices open up, the more empowered that person is that client that's um, choosing what healthcare outcomes they want and what interventions they want to sign up for and how they want their healthcare to look like rather than something just being handed to them. That's just like, here you go. You have just one option at this point. Nobody wants that. Everybody wants to have this empowering feeling like, okay, I'm doing this because I choose to do this because it makes sense to me. I feel called to do it. I feel good about this option. And I think the other piece of it too is um, if you don't ask yourself the question or nobody asks you that question of what do you want and how do you want to feel, then you don't really know. And then you could just go along with anything and then regret it and things like that. So that is what we should be doing for our clients and our patients, actually having them ask those questions of themselves. And then once they have those answers, we can actually help them get there. I love it. Absolutely. Yeah. So how do people see you nowadays virtually, I assume? Yes, I work virtually, um, so it means I can work with people everywhere, which I love that aspect of it um, because it gives me the flexibility and it gives them the flexibility as well. You know, you're not having to drive to an appointment and 
then, you know, sit and wait in a waiting room often. <laughs> and so I love the virtual aspect. And yes, that's the best way. I think we have the same interaction. Um, we can get to the, to the, to the goals and to the problems and, and provide those solutions. And so virtually is the best way for right now. Yeah. I love it. And it's like, you, like you said, no driving, no. So you, all you have to do is like click a button in your computer. If your appointment is for three, you can just sit down at three and click play or hello. Um, so, and you said you work with people for, from like three to six months at a time, or even longer in some cases. So how does that work? Um, what kind of people do you usually see? Do you see a kind of pattern with the problems that they're coming to you for or a demographic that comes to you? Yeah. So, um, busy professional women, typically in their forties, um, early fifties, those that know, know somewhere deep down that there's a better choice. They're looking for answers. They're looking for something different. Um, those are the ones that usually will come and find me. And because they are, they're already kind of searching. They, they think, well, there's got to be a better way. And yet they're still trying to please their physician. And so those are the ones they're, they're questioning, you know, they've been in their career for a while. They're, they're hitting that peak of the, the stress, extra stress. Um, maybe they're neglecting some of their self-care. Maybe they've been put on a medication that they no longer want to be on. Those are the ones that typically will come and, get them to a point where they've been put on. I've had several for an anxiety or depressive medication because that's often, you know, as there's nothing wrong with going through an anxiety or depression situation. And sometimes we've needed to be put on a medication or put on a supplement for that point. And so what you don't want to get hooked on is having to stay on that. And so I've had patients come to me for those. They want to get off them because they know they don't want to be on them forever. They, you know, maybe it helped them through the crunch that they needed to get through, or they're looking for healthier solutions. I've also had several come to me um, with pain, different types of pain. Um, when I was working in the hospital, long time ago. Um, I ran um, part of the pain team. I was co-chair of the pain team and we did a lot of different things on pain. And even then we, we brought in some alternative things um, for pain management, which was great. And so I have that. And so people come to me for that as well. They're looking for relief and um, they're looking to not be dependent upon their prescription pain medication anymore or their cream or whatever it is. And so that often is, you know, we look at the root cause and figure out, okay, well, this started a long time ago. It's going to take a while to work through that. And that's why I really want to be there on your journey. And your journey is more than a day. Your journey is more than a week. And so three to six months is a good start. Awesome. So do you have a plan of like weaning somebody off certain medications? And do you work with a provider to do that? I do. Yes. So depending upon the medication, we look at um, the other medications that they're taking as well. So that the weaning off is kind of very individualized um, because there could be some, if you're already taking a medication that you're trying to get off of and it's interacting in a good or bad way, it's, it's, um, 
it's comparable with your body right now. Let's, uh-huh. let's phrase it like that. So your body's used to both medications and we're going to take you off of the one to start with. So we've got to taper it maybe a little bit differently than somebody who's not on something else. So yes, I work with that, have a different a tapering solution. And then I can, I work with your physician, make a phone call to your physician so that your physician's on board. Ultimately it's your decision, but we want to make sure they're, they're in the loop. Uh-huh. And especially if we're going to have to start changing dosages, if we can't just break pills in half, mm-hmm. then absolutely we need the physician to prescribe because that is not what I do. Um, and so giving um, the physician a heads up and working with them, they're very happy to um, allow you to meet your health goals. And I can also give, I also give my clients language sometimes to go in and talk to the physician and say, hey, you know what I'm working with a concierge pharmacist now, and we're going to start working on some things. And because often it's that empowering piece. And I want to give the, the client that ability that they're in charge They're They can take control. And so I give them the language. And then if the physician kind of gives us says, Oh, most of them are okay. Let's, let's try it. There's been a few that are like, well, I don't know. And so I'll make that, that extra phone call and say, okay, and I have a way of a nice rapport of working with the physicians I've worked with them for many, many years and been able to still appeal to what they're doing, as well as get them to realize that it is their patients, their, my clients, um, choice as to if they want to change to another medication and we never do anything to harm because that is part of our motto as well. We never want to harm. And so we never do any of that, but we get the physician to realize it's a patient's choice. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So I also wanted to follow up on the pain spectrum. So your patients, um, clients, especially the women that have unexplained pain, because I know chronic fibromyalgia, for example, and even migraines are more common in women. So is there anything that you found that kind of is helpful across the board for for that type of unexplained um, pain? Uh, is there something like that you do right away, primarily in terms of stress or anything else that you would think would apply to many people? Um, that's a great question. So across the board, um, I like to be very careful about that. So there's a little bit, so often, um, and, and one thing, uh, we always want to make sure we're taking good quality products. And I know that's a key um, looking at our sources. Some, um, some of your inflammation and your pain, depending upon where it is, turmeric has been shown to be very good, very helpful. You have to make sure you, you're getting a good quality source and you have to make sure that it has another ingredient in there for it to be activated properly. So I've had some luck with that. Um, I also have a couple other tools that sometimes I'll pull out for the right person. Um, that's actually, uh, it changes the neurological pattern. And what it does is it, it kind of does like a control alt delete on your brain. It does a reset and it changes those pain receptors and allows them to eliminate that pain. And so, um, pulling that out, I've had some really good luck with that particular product. And is that something that the client would purchase by themselves and use at home? Or do they have to go somewhere for a session of that? Um, They would purchase it um, 
from me and then use it home. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a very unique product. Um, and, and like I say, it's, it's the neurological change that, it, that it does. And it's, um, if people want to know more, we can go more into that, but it's, um, it's a, it, it resets that pattern and, and yeah, it's something you can wear. Um, it doesn't, like I say, there's no drug, no chemical in it. And it's, it's been shown. I mean, there's, there's actually some studies that the, that, that has been done for that and shown relief of the pain. They, um, one very specific with diabetic neuropathy. And so, that, that was key to me. Cause I'm all, I'm, I'm into the research. I'm into knowing what, what happens and, um, having that luck with relief of the fibromyalgia pain, which is a huge one, um, I, is proven to me because that is, I mean, those are sensories that flares can happen anywhere. And so that, that product being able to do that and put those women out of pain for even just a little while is significant. Wow. Yeah. I'd love to know the name of the product and it, does it have anything to do with biofeedback mechanisms? It, no, no biofeedback. Okay. No, it's actually, um, it's, <laughs> uh, well, you have to order it through somebody. So you have to order it through a provider. Um, but it does, it, it works with the dermatones. So it's a pattern on your skin and it sends the signal through your peripheral and central nervous system. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. I'd love more info and I could post it in the show notes if you like. Okay. Yeah. I also know there's like some other medical devices that are interesting, like infrared mats that you can lie on. And obviously also like infrared sauna, Yeah. Um, that you can go into and put it into a, your house and just have it at your convenience or go to places and get a, a session. Um, do you make any other kind of referrals out um, that you find really helpful for people? Um, I make sometimes referrals to, um, to acupuncturists because sometimes there's a, a need for that and I don't do that part. <laughs> um, so I've had some good luck with that. And then even some um, chiropractic care. And um, let's see what else have I referred out to. I've ref I have a large referral network for if there's something in there that I don't do specifically. Um, those are probably my two key ones, the, the acupuncturist and the chiropractic. And then even self-care, you know, massage. So that's a, that's a key one um, that people need to realize that massage is a very good stress reliever. Yeah. Yeah. I want a massage. Definitely. <laughs> um, it's kind of like what you consider a splurge, right? Expense, but it's, it's like you said, a form of self-care. So, you know, it's like if you have to pay someone to do it, um, but it's therapeutic, you can consider it as a, as a therapy and a prevention, you know, something that you're investing in for your long-term health. Absolutely. Yeah, it is. It's that's one, that's one thing that um, there was actually a study done of pharmacists. What is the thing that they, um, one of the number one things that they do for self-care and massage was actually number one. So that that's definitely key. Yeah, it's, it's, we know. <laughs> 
like washing your hair. It's it's necessary. <laughs> and yeah, pharmacists typically like stand on their feet and have really stressful work days that are over 12 hour shifts. And so, yeah, you need to kind of decompress and relax after that and pump your blood back up. Exactly. Get that circulation flowing. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, it was wonderful to chat with you about your journey and your expertise. I'd love to ask you some rapid round um, questions in our fire round. So first of all, since, uh, you know, I have you on and you specialize in stress and all these different things, um, what would be the number one advice you would give people in order for them to feel their best or improve their quality of life or stress levels? The number one thing for improving your, your stress level is make sure you get enough sleep. And that's tough. Yes, I know. But good quality sleep and enough sleep is the number one thing you can do to reduce your stress. Because if you actually get sleep, you're going to be better off the next day. You're going to have less stress the next day. And if you are struggling with your sleep, that's another conversation. We can talk about that um, to get you to good quality sleep because we don't want you laying there awake thinking about all the different things. And when you're doing that, you're you're not allowing your body to recharge and your body needs to recharge and it does that while you sleep. So that's the number one thing I would say for stress management, make sure you're getting sleep, make time for sleep. We make time for our children to go to sleep, to take a nap, make yourself a priority and get some sleep. Yeah. Wow. I resonate so much with that. I just saw uh, a meme the other day and it had a battery that's like about to discharge and, um, you know, a person. And so basically if you even care about your phone, not to let it get uncharged, you know, you worry about it, plug it in everywhere. Why, why do you let yourself get so depleted, you know, without recharging your batteries? And that is exactly what we said, by getting good quality sleep and an adequate amount, which will differ a little bit from person to, to person, but uh, you have to figure out that sweet spot for yourself and create the conditions around it to support that in your life, like literally put it in your schedule, you know, because and I have trouble with that too. And I had another conversation with somebody about how um, some of the advice, like health advice that's helpful is so simple, but it's not easy because it's, it sounds simple and like makes sense. Um, but, but it's not easy to implement because people around us are not implementing it. And uh, you know, we want to watch TV at night or something like that. That's our, that's how we think we will get some decompression and some me time. And like, we think we're doing ourselves a service, but in reality, you know, getting that rest uh, by, by deep sleep is actually the best thing that you can do. Or like me also, like sometimes I cook at night cause I didn't get a chance to cook, uh, you know, in the daytime, but that's like time that I could be spending getting ready for bed and like going to, to sleep. And it's, it's a matter of like really setting strong uh, parameters for yourself and the non-negotiables as they call it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, what kind of, you know, the top three or however many things you want to put for yourself that you have to do for yourself every single day. And one of them should definitely be like a, a bedtime, <laughs> like creating a bedtime for yourself. Exactly. So um, why don't you, since you mentioned sleep, give us a couple of tips for getting good quality sleep at night. Absolutely. So 
number one, those electronics, put them away <laughs> at least 30 minutes before you're going to go to sleep. That allows your brain to kind of start decompressing and you're not looking at that blue light. Even if you have a filter on there, there's still some things. So put them away. You can listen to music if you need to, to decompress. Turn the TV off. Just read a book. Relax. Make sure your environment is cool because we don't like to sleep in a hot environment. And if, you, if you're in an area where the sun's going to come in before you wanted to get up, make sure you have blackout curtains or can put something over the windows. And the third, let's see. That's probably the, the, the biggest is the blackout or if you are comfortable wearing a mask. Some people aren't comfortable putting things over their eyes. So a sleep mask is helpful, but um, putting those electronics away, making sure the room is cool and then making sure that it's dark enough so that you can actually get plenty of sleep. Yeah, yeah. I think everybody's sick of masks right now, but yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's it's a good tip for sure. And I've found it useful. And even like traveling or like jet lag, these are all great tips to like get yourself into another schedule. Um, and also to reset your circadian rhythm wherever you are, you know, so it's like, if you didn't get those things accomplished, as I was talking about, like my cooking, uh, it's better to wake up early the next day. You know, we're really cyclical beings and rhythmical beings that should function with the sun cycle. You know, as when the sun rises, that's a good time for us to rise. And then when the sun sets, it's a good time for us to start winding down for our night. And the only reason we don't do that is because of our access to technology and electricity. Uh, so in, in reality, it's so much better and you get so much more energy if you wake up earlier and do those things that maybe you don't have time to throughout the day and then go to sleep earlier. And that will really give you the best bang for your buck, for your energetic buck. Um, so that's that's another thing that you can do if you're feeling like you are lacking time management skills, then do those things in the morning that you feel like you're ne you never have time to do. Exactly. So um, the second question I ask my guests is what's your favorite pastime or hobby? My favorite hobby is reading. I love to pick up a good book, get lost in it, um, and just relax for a little bit. If I can sit out on the deck and read even better with a little sunshine, that's one of my favorite things. Um, what's your favorite book that you recently read? Oh, goodness. Um, I've read a lot recently for business. So um, <laughs> what is my favorite book? Uh, that's a great question. I'm reading one and I can't think of the name of it. Um, John Grisham is my favorite author. And so his recent book is, is um, very good. But the, the one thing that by um, Gary Keller, I just read that it's a business book, but it was a good book to read. Um, so I read a lot for a lot of things, but I do like to pull that Grisham book up and just get lost in the story. And I can't think of the name of what it is right now. Sorry. No, no worries. Um, I also I have to agree. Like I read a lot of like practical things, business things, self-help things, you know, personal development things, but sometimes it just like, you just want some good fiction and like let your mind wander and um, go along with the characters. 
So uh, lastly, I'd love to know what is your favorite thing to cook? Ooh, that's a great question. My favorite thing to cook is probably chicken and coming up with a good um, different chicken recipe. I, the one that I love to cook the most is probably kind of like a chicken stir fry, chicken, rice, and bell peppers. Mm. Um, I love that the best. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on. I would love for you to also tell the listeners how they can connect with you, find out more about your work and get in touch. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Marina. I really appreciate it. And um, they can find out more from me on my website, drmelissabalizan.com. And I have information on there. I have a, um, a couple of free downloadable things and then more information on products. And um, we can talk about, they can learn more about me, who I am right there on my website. Awesome. So yeah, I'll have that link on uh, the show notes and any other links that you want to share. So people can um, get in touch and learn a little bit more. So again, thank you so much. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Holistic Pharmacy Podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed the show and learned something new from it. I certainly get super inspired by the guests I have on. If the same is true for you, I'd really appreciate a five-star review on any of the podcast platforms and a shout out on social media. You can find me at my name, Dr. Marina Booksov or at the tag at raw fork. So I look forward to connecting and I hope you have a great week ahead.